Hey, everybody, welcome in to another edition of the Inside Nebraska podcast. My name is Zach Carpenter, publisher of Inside Nebraska, and that is Steve Marek, staff writer at Inside Nebraska. And we uh, have an actual uh, football game to break down here today. I mean, from Saturday's uh, 38 to 17 win over North Dakota, probably I don't think either one of us anticipated breaking down a close game against an FCS team, Steve. Um, but like I said in my game column, Nebraska was tied at halftime with an FCS team, and they were tied with an FCS team with two and a half up, up until two and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter. And it's like, I don't mean any disrespect to North Dakota, but without context, that is the fact. And you're a Big Ten team. You're not supposed to be that close in uh, that close of a game with an FCS team. And even if they just had the Ireland trip, like body clocks are off and just everything on top of it. So that's the bottom line is they were in a battle with an FCS team and um, pulled away at the end. But what's uh, what's like your one or two most prevalent thoughts? What, what were your one or two biggest takeaways coming out of Saturday's game? Yeah, so going into the game, I, I kind of wrote this on the website. It was it was a lose-lose, in my opinion, for Nebraska, just this game in general, um, non-conference games in general. Um, if you're playing North Dakota uh, FCS program, no matter how solid that program is, um, the state that Nebraska football is in right now, you could have beat, they could have beaten North Dakota by 60 points and none of it would have mattered. Unfortunately, that's just how people, how people roll right now. The temperature would still be hot under Scott Frost's seat. Um, if he would have got out of there with a comfortable 60 point win and got the second and team second and third teamers into the game and every, everything would have been great, but not, not to the fan base. So, um, obviously that didn't happen. But uh, you're right, going in, you're going into a halftime tied at seven with an FCS program in the fifth year of Scott Frost's tenure. That's it's an extremely bad look, in my opinion. It's not supposed to look like this, this deep into his tenure. And uh, it, it, it is, unfortunately. And there are some hard truths going on right now. And it's not it's not a great thing in, in Husker land right now. It's just not a good vibe. And um, you have a Georgia Southern team coming in here that. Um, took care of business against their FCS program, Morgan State, um, uh, pretty well, uh, 59 to 7, I think, Georgia State won. So, um, yeah, that was that was one thing going in with me uh, with North Dakota is no matter how, how badly they beat North Dakota, none of it would have mattered. Um, but they didn't beat North Dakota badly. North Dakota hung with hung hung tough. Um, it was 24 to 17 at the end of the third quarter. Uh, it's not what you want to see for, for from Nebraska. But the other thing. If we do want to talk about positives, it's Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant is an absolute stud. I love watching that guy. He he makes a lot of his rushing yards by himself because the offensive line at Nebraska is having so many difficulties right now, um, blocking pass rush, pass rush and uh, blocking, uh, run blocking. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really, Anthony Grant is kind of the big takeaway um, that I got coming out of the game after it because he's he's RB1 right now. I think he's got that job. It's solely his, and boy, he's fun to watch. Yeah, it was kind of funny. It was a balance when we're doing um, the Bold Predictions podcast and just uh, mm-hmm. our analysis leading up to the game where it's like we're trying to analyze a game and like, yeah, we want you to read our content and uh, and watch our videos or listen to our podcasts and stuff for this game. 
but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if this game's going to tell us much or if it's like going to yeah. mean too much unless uh, it winds up being a close game. And um, it did wind up being a close game. I didn't see it. I didn't mm -hmm. anticipate that. I mean, they were, they opened as 21 or 22 point favorites. And then the line exploded on Saturday morning. Like I was, I wrote about it um, on Sunday where it's just interesting to see the line movements just from Friday afternoon all the way to up till kickoff. So like just about 24 hours and it was just on one sports book, uh, DraftKings. These were some of the numbers, but um, it was like this on a lot. It was, it, it was like this on a lot of sports books similar to this where 12, 27 PM Eastern on Friday, Nebraska was a 22 point favorite. And by Saturday at 9 55 AM, Eastern Nebraska jumped to 33 and a half. And like, there was one that it peaked at 34 points. And by the time they kicked off, they were 28 and a half point favorite. So it's like, all right, well, something's going on there with, uh, with the line movement, but we expected a blowout from the get go. And we didn't get that. Yeah. I mean, what, what's one thing that's interesting to me was against Northwestern and North Dakota, they come out with their, their heads on fire. They march right down the field, look like a smooth offense. I mean, um both instances I, I believe uh Casey Thompson just leading the leading the charge down um down the field and everything's looking solid I'm like all right looks like they're they have things running here and then the offense just st stalls out um with some momentous momentous plays and to or to stop their momentum I guess I know Northwestern was the Garcia Castaneda fumble um mm -hmm. And uh, this, what what would you say was in the first half, like a, a momentum stopping play to where like this offense it only scored seven points. Was there like a moment or two that you saw like this? Yeah. Things, yeah. It's, it's, kind it, of turned. it's a good point because I, I, I think um, you were absolutely right with Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and his fumble um, it, against North, North Dakota. I think it was um, the sack, the strip sack against uh, Casey Thompson uh, that I think, I believe it was on the second drive, Nebraska's second drive. Um, and I think on the play, it was an unbalanced formation with Teddy Prohaska um, left tackle sw swapping over to the right side. Um, and there was just a breakdown, a protection breakdown and North Dakota had the defender go right past Teddy Prohaska and just light up Katie Casey Thompson. And he fumbled the ball and the fighting Hawks recovered it. And it was just another instance of Nebraska's offense not being able to stay on the field and sustain a drive and, and lose the time of possession battle. Um, North Dakota played keep away pretty well, like Scott Ross said after the game. But yeah, to me, that kind of big momentum um, play that kind of ruined everything in the first half was that uh, strip sack on Casey Thompson. Yeah, and it's turnovers now. And obviously we've talked yeah. about Nebraska's defense wanting to be that um, that like game changing forcing turnovers type of defense because they only had 13 total turnovers forced last year. I think that was uh, 12th in the Big Ten, finished third to last in the Big Ten. And now instead of them getting them, well, I, I guess Garrett Nelson had the strip sack, which was yeah. along with Trey Palmer's 31 yard touchdown or oh, one yard um, catch on to convert a third down. I yeah. think those two are the biggest momentum building plays for Nebraska, but still they haven't been able to not shoot themselves in the foot on offense at some point. And mm -hmm. 
you just see it. You saw it stall. You saw the offense as a whole stall out. I mean, looking at the numbers was staggering in the first half compared to the second half. And North yeah. Dakota was beating them in pretty much every major statistical category: total yards, passing, rushing yards, uh, total plays, and time of possession was just like holy shit how like 20 20 minutes 30 seconds to nine minutes 22 seconds and Mm -hmm. talked about that after of like of he knew the numbers or at least really close to the numbers of the total plays they ran the first half the time of possession and it's Mm -hmm. like he pretty much said they literally doubled our possession almost the whole game and almost had more plays than us for us to even be tied or ahead we were just trying to stay positive at halftime a better opponent if they have the ball more plays and they have more time of possession, they probably would have been up on us. And it's like yeah. hearing, hearing that essentially Nebraska is lucky to even be tied at halftime with an FCS team, just <laughs> that's so much about where this program is right now. And I I think there is a chance, obviously, that it, it can get better. We still have 10 more games, but something needs to change. And I think there was a, a change maybe at halftime. We, we I think... We're in agreement that it appeared that Scott Frost was calling plays in the second half, but we can't say that with certainty because we don't know yet. But it appeared as if he, as if he did, uh, if he sort of took the reins back of the offense. And I kind of wanted to. I think we're also in a uh, bit of agreement. Maybe we're not about the fact that this is a make-or-break season for Scott Frost, and he knows what's at stake. Everybody knows what's at stake. That if they don't uh, win enough games, that he won't be the coach of nebraska anymore and it's like all right if your fate is on the line maybe you you want to you want to have control of it you want to say if i'm going to go down i'm going to go down on my own terms um what i I know it's a thing that we keep talking about but what did you think what did you make of his comments after the game of like he didn't want to answer who was calling the plays like he he hasn't been uh wanting to reveal that all offseason it doesn't sound like we're gonna um doesn't sound like we're going to get that answer anytime soon. Like he's going to reveal that, but he did say uh, the more we, we, ha- we have a lot of talented coaching, uh, a lot of talented coaches on this staff and the more we cooperate, the better we'll be. What sort of, I guess, did you take away from those comments and just his general um, demeanor after afterward? Yeah. I mean, he, he was regular old Scott Frost after the game. Like he's, he's known for not saying he's notorious for not saying anything. Like he would never, ever in a million years answer the question of who's, who's actually calling the plays, but that's just who he is. It's funny. I knew that. Like, I knew that when I asked the question, like, I know he's not going to answer, but I still think it's. But he still gave you something, a little something after he said no, which was, I thought kind of cool that he actually said something. I, I, what I've respected though about about Scott Frost and is like his his openness about uh, sort of struggling with not being yeah. not being the play caller anymore. He's been honest multiple times, like about how tough that's going to be, and I I respect mm-hmm. that. Of like, yeah, I've been doing it my whole life. Like I love like he didn't say this exactly, but he's been doing it his whole career, and he obviously loves doing it. He's a great play designer. Uh, yeah. So, um, sort of giving that up, I think, uh, is, is, is clearly tough, tough, uh, decision. Um, mm-hmm. he's been yeah, I, I thought he was very kind of, just like you said, this, this off season, he's extremely open about his opinion on, uh, not calling plays. And I, I guess I didn't expect that from him. 
But um, yeah, to your point, uh, things just look different in the second half, especially with the run game. And when Anthony Grant had things rolling, AJ Allen, the true freshman from Louisiana, had things rolling. I mean, it was easy to see why they stuck with what they uh, stuck with with the run game. So um, yeah, I, I I think potentially they they found something in Anthony Grant and that run game. Um, but obviously, tougher defenses than North Dakota's defensive front await. And so um, it's just going to be on this offensive line to to kind of prove us all wrong, all of all of the naysayers wrong, to see if they could um, finally get some push um, and 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 really, I guess, <laughs> help out help out Anthony Grant because, like I said before, he's been doing a lot of this stuff on his own with his own two legs. Uh, so I'm I'm just kind of anxious anxious to see how this how this offense is going to continue to roll and and if the rushing offense that, that we saw in the second half on Saturday continues um maybe in the first half against Georgia Southern but then then you get into well you're taking you're taking the ball away from Casey Thompson and he's he's looked good in first halves and and all that stuff so it's gonna it's just gonna be really interesting yeah it's funny I was calling like Anthony Grant's the savior of Nebraska football today uh he was <laughs> breaking so many tackles and then you see the videos that, that you put out there and the the team Twitter account put out there of him just sticking his foot in the ground and planting and cutting back and it's like yeah. right two weeks into fall camp we had reported that he was emerging as the the starting the best candidate for the rb1 and then we saw that sort of simmer down but now it's picked up and now we see okay this is why he was emerging and yep. it looks like he has that solidified i know scott mm -hmm. frost joke about like all right we're not putting his we're not making room up in the memorial stadium rafters for for his jersey yeah. uh but it he his performance the, over the first two games, um, first Nebraska running back to have a hundred yards or more rushing. Let me find the exact stat. Um, first Husker to have two straight hundred yard rushing games since 2018, and the first to have at least hundred yards rushing in each of his first two games since Taylor Martinez had a hundred plus in in 2010. And it looks like he's going to have that opportunity, um, more more ample opportunity against Georgia Southern to match what Taylor Martinez did because it looks like it, it looks like you're not you can't keep him off the field if he keeps producing like this so maybe we'd like to think yeah, that's how exactly. he stays on the field Nebraska fans are are plenty they have I guess nightmares of last season and uh, kind of some other assistant coaches around here not sticking with the rotation and, and guys who work so um, but yeah I mean it's got to be it's unrealistic to not not keep Anthony out there and and keep feeding him the ball in my opinion, I, I would agree. And um, I also agree with what you said. It's hard to take the ball away from Casey Thompson because I still yeah. I want to make one point on him is that he looked for the first 40 minutes against Northwestern like um, like we as advertised, like as we've yes. been hyping him up and um, and previewing him. He looks like a potential star in this conference, star quarterback in this conference. And uh, he had moments on Saturday where he looked sharp mm -hmm. at like I mean the um the throw that I that stood out to me the most was his throw to Chancellor Brewington up in yeah. the southwest corner of this of the field near the end zone where it was just perfectly placed ball wound up being incomplete because the North Dakota defensive bag just laid a like perfectly timed it was a really good defensive play it really was it, that, that was the offense did um Casey Thompson did what he exactly what he needed to do put the ball where he needed it to go and it hit Chancellor Brewington in the 
in the hands, but that, I mean, the defensive back just made a better play. And, um, but the point is throws like that. He's shown, he showed on Saturday, he looked average overall, but yeah. uh, Throws like that still shows something of, of his potential, but he looked average, but I don't think that was his fault. Like we've talked about the, the offensive line was allowing uh, pressure consistently. I mean, I wrote yes. about this, that uh, Trent, Trent Hickson was the only one who graded out um, at starter quality uh, mm-hmm. by the folks at Pro Football Focus. Um, and then the rest of the line, he didn't allow a sack, a hurry, or a pressure. And the, the rest of the line allowed two sacks, four, see, uh, two sacks, four hurries, and six pressures. So um, something's going to need to to improve there if Casey Thompson's going to match his potential and if this offense as a whole is going to match his potential. Um, yeah. Yeah. He had, he had an okay game. I, I would think he, he still made some really, really impressive throws. He had that bad interception. Um, usually, you know, if we're talking about the interceptions against Northwestern, I think both of them were not totally his fault, but Saturday's was, I mean, uh, North Dakota was, just looking like they were going to blitz. They bailed out. They dropped eight, and he threw it right to the guy. Um, it was really interesting after the game um, with Scott Frost. He was saying that, you know, Casey's not the tallest quarterback, which he isn't. He's he's around 5'11", 6 foot, and he's throwing over 6 foot 9 uh, and 6 foot 6 offensive linemen uh, with Turner Corcoran and, and Teddy Prohaska on the left side. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it, it makes sense that maybe – um, Thompson in a, in a rushed setting would, would maybe try to take a chance and, and fit a ball in between zone coverage. And it just didn't work out. But, um, overall, I, I'm not, I'm not worried at all about Casey Thompson. I think the guy's a, a baller. He has, a, he has arm talent. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he progresses, but yeah, he's, he's had some, he's, he's had an up and down start, I think, um, at Nebraska, but in my opinion, more ups for sure. Yeah, and two more things before we get out of here. First one, um, just kind of actually popped into my mind to ask um, from your your opinion because you know the X's and O's a lot better than me. Um, and you talking about his, uh, Casey Thompson's height and throwing over offensive linemen. Do you think that maybe in the future they're going to design a little more to get him out of the pocket, like roll him out, so that he doesn't have to deal with that? We, yeah, absolutely. And we've saw, and we've seen that um, maybe not on purpose. Remember the Northwestern game where he had that errant snap where he, he kind of deflected it with his left hand and then um, just kind of took it out. It's like, okay, I'm on a rollout now, I guess. And then he just fired a fired completion at Travis Oakleck. Yes. I absolutely think that we could see him um, moving, moving, moving around more in the pocket. Um, you know, I, I don't think, um, I guess I shouldn't say that. I, I don't know. I, I watched a lot of pit film and I know Kenny Pickett was an athletic guy and he did move around in the pocket and, and they did. Uh, Mark Whipple did call some rollouts for him. Uh, we just haven't seen it a lot with Casey Thompson here, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. We we've, we saw against uh, North Dakota that he can um, use his legs and he's pretty good at it with a, with a couple first down runs when he decided to pull it down and run. So I, I think he's an accurate thrower on the, on the run as well. And I, I definitely think that we could see some more of that later on in the season. Yeah. I'm excited to see if they, what uh, changes, if any are made in that regard, when they play Georgia Southern next week. Um, and that was the last, that was the last thing that I wanted to touch on here real quickly before, uh, before we go um, Nebraska, they they open as a 22-point favorite against Georgia Southern next weekend, 
and we will uh, we will we'll be providing preview coverage of that game more extensively later in the week. But just for now, what's like the one what's the one or two things that you wanted to mention about to sort of preview that game, whether it's personnel or just the matchup in general? Yeah, I've had a couple people ask me actually. So so is Georgia Southern going to be running the triple option? So no, not anymore. They have a brand new coaching staff. Um, previous Georgia Southern teams would have, would it, um, they did a lot of shotgun based triple option type stuff, a lot of motioning into the backfield, just like Scott Frost did a lot of last year. Um, but no, it's Clay Helton, the former USC coach. He's over there, um, at, at Georgia Southern right now. And he brought over Brian Ellis, who's the former co-offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky. And if anybody knows anything about Western Kentucky, they like to throw the ball, especially with Bailey Zappi, who's with the New England Patriots right now. At least I think he's still there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they were a complete air raid offense, five to four wide receivers every single play, didn't care about uh, running it much. Now, I, I think Brian Ellis is his own coach, and he's going to call the offense how he wants to call the offense and not act like he's at Western Kentucky. But Georgia Southern is going to be playing with a up-tempo spread shotgun four five wide receivers um every every play and you know it's not going to be a triple option offense that Nebraska is going to be seeing um one one interesting uh tidbit um Kyle Van Treese who was a former Buffalo um quarterback who actually played in Nebraska in Memorial Stadium last season I believe they lost 28 to 3 um that game Kyle Van Treese is now starting at Georgia Southern and is the kind of veteran six-year six-year uh, senior quarterback kind of operating the new the new spread offense over there and and he I have it written down here he threw for uh, 367 yards and four touchdowns against Morgan State and FCS program uh, uh, on Saturday so they they had a heck of a start heck of a good start on uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern did and you know they're going to be coming here one and zero, and they're going to see what North Dakota did um, to Nebraska, and you know they're not they're not going to be afraid of the Huskers. They're going to want to throw it around the yard, and uh, the best passing defense at Nebraska: Marquise Buford, Jr., uh, Miles Farmer, Quentin Newsom, Tommy Hill. Those guys are going to get a workout as will the the middle linebackers. Um, it'll be interested interesting to see uh, how Luke Reimer does in his pass defense, along with um, Ernie Hausman. Too. I know Ernie's kind of had a tough start to his true freshman year, but he's a young guy. He's going to, he has a great future ahead of him, I think. Uh, but the college passing game, I think, is a little quick for him right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see. Maybe we get a sh uh, shootout next weekend. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> air raid offense versus uh, uh, Nebraska offense that maybe we see more in the run game um, going forward with. Uh, with how well they they did the in the second half, Anthony Grant leading the way. But like I said, we'll have more we'll have more preview coverage of Georgia Southern, more stories on um, Nebraska's uh, win over North Dakota as we we have more media availability this week. Uh, today, Monday, we're going to meet with Scott Frost and five to seven players at Memorial Stadium, and then we'll be um, talking, I believe, to Eric Chenander and Mark Whipple later in the week, and Scott Frost again on Thursday. So we'll have plenty more coming to to preview uh, Georgia Southern and just talk about this where this program is at in general, as they try to sort of, as they continue an effort to, to turn things around here. So um, we'll see you guys back here again. Again, I'm Zach Carpenter, that's Steve Marek, and uh, we'll be back again very shortly.